God, just open our hearts, we pray this morning. Open our minds and soften our hearts. If we've come this morning, Father, with a heart that is made of stone, I pray that heart will be melted by your will this morning and by your grace, Father. So help us just to receive your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Jaden and Alexa, would you come and read the word of God for us, please? Thank you. Good morning. 1 Samuel 21 through 23. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it. You shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is a new moon, and I should not fail to sit at the table with the king. But let me go, that I may hide myself the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David, earnestly ask leave me leave of me to run to Bethlehem's his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all of the clan. If he says, Good, it will be well with your servant, but if he is angry, then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore, deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So they both went out into the field. And Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed towards David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm? The Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you, as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord, that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my father's, from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan said a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed, because your seat it will be empty. On the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid yourself when the matter was in the hand, and remain beside the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I shot at my mark. And behold, I will send the boy, saying, Go find the arrows. If I say to the boy, Look, the arrows are on this side of you, take them. Then you are to come... For as the Lord lives, it is safe for you to, and there is no danger. But if I say to the youth, look, there are arrows beyond you, then go, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever.
So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat on his seat, as at other times, on the seat by the wall. Jonathan sat opposite, and Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Yet Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. But on the second day, the day after the noon moon, David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan his son, Why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go, for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now, if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of perverse, rebellious women, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month. For he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. In the morning, Jonathan went out into the field to the appointment with David and with him a little boy. And he said to his boy, run and find the arrows that I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place of the arrow that Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the boy and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan called after the boy, Hurry, be quick, do not stay. So Jonathan's boy gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the boy knew nothing. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his weapons to this boy and said to him, Go and carry them to the city. As soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You know, normally at graduation uh, service or youth service, uh, I have the liberty and the freedom to preach on something else. But uh, I was looking at this, and uh, I said to Bo, you know, I'm going to, I'd love to preach from this. And I've got mixed emotions about it, because maybe the message we hear today is not what we would normally hear from this particular uh, message. And let me say this, I was looking at this father and son relationship of Jonathan and Saul. And I began to kind of look into that, being a father myself. And it wouldn't leave me. And I go to bed, and I end up dreaming about this, about 1 Samuel 20. And then, three-ish in the morning, my phone starts lighting up. And then I look at it, and I can see it's my dad in England. So I, I pressed, yeah, hey, Dad, Dad, are you okay? Nothing on the end of it. So, oh, right. Then. 
I honestly thought I must be dreaming at some point, right? Because I'm tired. And then I start thinking about one Samuel, I fall back asleep. And then maybe 45 minutes later, the phone goes again. And I pick it up again, it's by the side of my bed. Usually, the unusual thing, I've usually got it switched off. I want nothing to do with my, my cell phone at all in the evenings, if I can help it. And then it's lighting up, dad, dad, again. And I get on the end of it, and there's nobody there. And this time, I'm getting a bit anxious, right? I'm thinking, wow, for him to phone me at this time, there must be something wrong. But hang on a minute, no, three, four o'clock isn't that in the UK. It's early morning there, right? So it's, it's not unusual, probably. Fall asleep, and what happens again? A third call. And this time I pick it up again and say, I'm shouting, Dad, not to wake anyone up. Dad, Dad, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And all I can hear is a TV on there. Nothing more. Just a TV in the background. And he wouldn't answer. So then, the rest is history. Now, unusual, here's me thinking about this situation with Jonathan and with his father Saul. And then suddenly, that's happening. And to give you a bit of a background before I, we start looking into this, we've only got, what, 25 minutes at most. I'm not going to do this justice this morning. But there are some things that really stuck out to me about the relationship between Jonathan, really, and his father. And I was thinking, you know, I really need to call my dad. I did not speak to my dad for 20 years. My relationship was bad. But reconciliation came 20 years later. And I want to encourage you this morning. It is never too late for God to work in relationships. And my relationship has been restored back with my father. But it also means this, and I know this is going out online, but I'm standing up for truth this morning. It also means it's not going to go well with my family. I have to make a choice. It's not going to go well with my brother. It's not going to go well with my sister. But I have to stand up for the grace of God in my life. And I have to stand up for justice and truth in my life. How can I continue to reject my father no matter what's happened and continue to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I can't. I would be a hypocrite. And we see over the last two chapters of Samuel how David had a great relationship with King Saul, his king, the anointed one. And now suddenly there is conflict entering into that relationship. And we've seen in chapter 19, I believe, is that it is no longer a secret. Saul has gone public and he is sending assassins out to kill David. In fact, David is now running around with a target on his back. And it's as if it's like you've seen the movies, the highest bidder who gets him will get the prize, right? Wouldn't surprise me if that was happening the highest bidder who can get David. Now, it's not as if David could hide anywhere, really, in a sense, because everybody knew him because of what he'd done in the past. In fact, David had made Saul, in one sense, the man who he was. But let's not be deceived here. 
It's not because David is this mighty, young, rugged, good-looking hero that we might assimilate in the movies that we watch. It's not because of his strength or because of his might. It's because of the might and the strength and the power of God in his life and God's hand upon him. And what I love about 1 Samuel, now I've never been an expository preacher, I've never been that, I've been more topical, but I have learned something from this church, I've learned something from Bo, I love it now. I love it. Because I'm beginning to pull things out that I probably might not have done if I was just topical preaching and thought, oh, I'm anointed today, God, give me something, what I've read in a newspaper to share. Boom, you see what I mean? But no. And when we look at what's happening here, we see God at work. Do you know something? We are so, so easy to look for Satan in the work of things, aren't we? Oh, Satan's having a real go here. What's happening? Where's Satan in the detail here? David, this great man, oh, Satan's really attacking him. But we've got to look for where God is working in this before we look at where Satan is in this. We give no glory to Satan whatsoever. And sometimes we think like that. So we have a man who is feeling betrayed. And there's only one person in the whole of the world that is willing to help. And you know what? If you've only got one person in the whole world that is willing to help you through no matter what situation it is, that can change your life. Young people, this is not a graduation preach. Don't waste your time looking for things in people and friends that are going to intoxicate your life. Look for people, even if it's one person that is going to befriend you, swear an oath to you, and be committed to you. Even if they're not interested in their own welfare. Find those type of people. Don't waste your time. And we can see in this story here, we saw in chapter 19 how Saul promised his son Jonathan that he would not harm David. He's actually said, hey, I am not going to harm David. It's incredible. Read it in 1 Samuel 19, 4-6. Unfortunately, I'm going to rush through this and I hate it. But I'm going to try and bring the points out, what I believe God wants to say. In 19.46, it says, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you. And what has he done that has, what he's done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory. You see, the Lord won a great victory. Not David in his own strength. The Lord won a great victory. Jonathan is giving everything to God. He's walking with God. A great victory for all Israel. And you saw it and we're glad. Saul saw everything with his own eyes. He can't say, oh, well, I can't believe that really happened. No, it must have been a mistake. He saw with his own eyes. He was a witness to what God was doing through David. And Saul became the man he was, in one sense, because of David. 
Like Luke said before, it doesn't hurt to have people around you that will influence you in the right way. We don't strive to be like our heroes or our pop stars, but we strive to be like godly people sometimes. And if we've got nothing else, find somebody who has God in their life and walking with God. I'd rather follow somebody with a great idea who is godly than search for years for an idea that's not coming in my life. Sometimes we have to be second in line, don't we, for God to use us. And I know we're back in 19, but it's incredible how it's all working out, how God is working. And when you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason, there is no reason at this point that Jonathan can see his father about to kill his best friend, his best mate. And to Jonathan and took this oath, as surely as the Lord lives, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not put will not be put to death. I can't get over that Saul in his heart knew exactly what he was going to do and yet, what does he say there? He actually says, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm not going to kill him. This is like promising God, isn't it? I promise, I give you an oath, I will not destroy David. We have to be careful in our lives, what we promise. I learned a very long time ago not to promise anything. And I asked Oliver yesterday, I said, Ollie, sit down with me a minute. Have I ever promised you anything, Ollie, in my life? And he was scratching his head, and you could see he was hoping to search for something, right? And he said, well, no, I can't. Great. Then I called Joshua in the UK, said, Joshua, a really important question. And you could say, oh, what's happening? Have I ever promised you anything in your life? Because I'm not going to stand here like a hypocrite, right? And he said, you know, I can never think of a time when you have promised me what you always said, you will do it to the best of your ability. Because I cannot keep my promises. And sometimes we promise something that we can't keep because it's out of our hands. Saul here is being very deceptive, even before God. Everything we do and say to other people is before God because we follow our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to speak truth. But let's be aware of never making promises that we can't keep. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I will do for you. And as I'm reading this, I imagine Joshua in this situation with his best friend, and I'm being a bit wicked, and he's beginning to have to think about making a choice. And my heart is going out to this, Jonathan. But he's now in this compromise. Do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? I've got to respect my father, who's the anointed one. But yet, this is injustice. This is not fair. And you know, life is not fair. 
God did not guarantee you a happy life. He guaranteed you eternal life if you put your trust and hope in him and you repent of your sins. Which is not being preached in our churches these days. Repentance. God promises you eternity with him. Saul is jealous. There's no doubt about it. And the problem is, if you look at Netflix and you've ever looked at these documentaries on prisons, they're horrific, right? And you see what they go through. The prisons of America today are full of people who acted out of jealousy and made one mistake and it cost them sometimes their own lives. Because the jealousy was so strong in their lives. And we can see this with Saul now. Not only is he getting jealous of David, because everybody obviously loves him. But what's happening is this. His jealousy is becoming murderous. Like a jealous husband who's now in prison because his wife may be looking at other men. I don't know. Think about a scenario. And a split moment in time can change your life forever. And here's Jonathan. I see where we could preach about the friendship to David in this. But I see his relationship with his father being compromised. It says in verse 5, So David said, Look, tomorrow is the new moon feast, and I am supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses me at all, tell him, David earnestly asks my permission to hurry to Bethlehem. If he says, Very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you... Show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? This was a once a month feast they would have. It was a festival. And they would celebrate the moon coming out. It was the beginning, and it signified the beginning of a new month. In fact, they would have messengers out there looking for the appearance of the moon. And as soon as they saw the little outline coming, they'd blow the trumpets and the light fires on hilltops and say, come, let's praise the God, bring your offerings. It's not a pagan activity. And they would feast together and be thankful to God. And David was expected to be there at the right-hand side of Saul. But I tell you what, I noticed something in this scripture here. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. Before the Lord always. It's always before God. If I'm guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over? It's as if David is saying, look, Jonathan, you know me. Can you find any evidence or any reason for your father to do this to me. And if so, I am willing right now to lay before you and you take me down, take me out. Because I would have offended the anointed king. 
You see, David is looking for the why behind it. That's all he wants. And if there's a very good reason, then do it. All he wants to know is the why behind it. And you may be going through an experience that you want to know why. You might be facing injustice in your life. It could be a family feud. It could be a friend who's turned on you. And suddenly you're thinking, why, 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 God? Well, I can't give too much away here because I'll take away the next chapters. We're so fortunate to know why because we have the books to read. But don't forget, this was history in the making. David and Saul didn't have books. They didn't know what the end was. It's not the end of the movie for them. They're living it. And all he wants is a reason why. And most of us, that's all we really want sometimes, isn't it? Just give me a reason why and I'll be happy. But again, you could see Satan in the detail or you could see God in the detail. Verse 8 says, As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. I've read it. And the reason I've read it again is because it's so significant before the Lord. It's not as if this is two friends in a playground area saying, yeah, you know, Blood Brothers for life, right? Have you ever seen that? Blood Brothers, I did it when I was seven. I wouldn't do it now. But did it when I was seven. Blood Brothers for life. Don't even know his name. What was that all about? We'd seen it on TV. In fact, to be honest, I didn't cut myself. I pretended to. And no chance. I'm not going to do that. This is before God. This is a covenant. This is an oath. Oath is a promise to God. Never promise God anything. Never promise God anything. Just say to God, here I am, Lord. Send me. But let's be careful what we promise and who we promise to. You know your kids, those of you who have them, I bet Luke's done this, right? Oh, Dad, I promise you I won't do that again. I promise you. Yeah, Dad, Dad I promise. Yeah, next day he's done it again. Am I right, Luke? Yeah, I'm right, Luke. Yeah. You know, kids, we can't make promises like kids, can we? We have to take it serious. They're oaths. Though I did make a promise to my wife. I promised I would love her to the end of my days, and I will. Because I know I can do that. I know I can. But it still takes Christ in my life to give me the ability to pull through on that. Because Jane is perfect. (sighs) Unlike me. Amen by Alexa, she knows. She's almost perfect. She's almost a Mary Poppins. That's why there are no umbrellas in the house, Charla. You're staying here. You're not doing anyone else's housework, do you? 1 Samuel 18, 1 4. As soon as he had speak, uh, finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit. This is, well, jumping back, sorry, to uh, chapter 18, was knit to. To the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. I think this is beautiful. Soul, another word for soul, spirit, right? Another translation could be. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Now, this is before chapter 20, of course. 
Oh, wow. And because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was in, on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now you know why I got Jaden and Alexa to read these long passages for me. Something very significant here. Now, I know I'm jumping a lot of things, right? But if you cannot love anybody like yourself, then there's a problem. And it says there, I love David as I love myself. Our souls knit together. Our spirits are becoming one. At this point, Jonathan has made an oath and a promise to David. Now, here's the compromise. Before God, how now does he suddenly, when he realizes that his father is out to kill David, what does he do? Because if he walks away from that oath, he is walking away from God. The promise right there. They become one. And let me tell you something. This is all God. He's already at work. God's plan for the future. Redemption. This is what is happening here. God is at work. He's in the detail. Satan has no authority in this whatsoever. He has no power in this whatsoever. Saul, David, Jonathan have no authority in what is taking place whatsoever. It is all by God's hand for the future of redemption that you and I have today and we're allowed to come before the throne of God through Jesus Christ. I've missed so much. But I want you to know something. You may be facing a trial in your family. You may be facing difficult times with a friend. But I would say this. If you've made an oath to a friend or a commitment... Follow it through. Don't give up on that person. Pray for them on your knees. Don't see Satan in it, see God in it. And pray for them on your knees. Young people, when you come to get friends in college, wherever you be, pray that God will bring somebody who's going to make a difference in your life. And don't be scared to commit yourself to that friendship. We all need a Jonathan in our life. We know what the story is. He did attend the feast. David was hiding in the field. And you know what? We haven't got time to read it. His dad on the second night, his dad Saul, let's face it, it's his dad. He got so outraged, he got a javelin, a spear, and he threw it at his own son. Trying to kill his own son. That's what jealousy and outrage does at the end of it. Where was God in that? Well, he was protecting Jonathan. I imagine he was pretty close. And that's when Jonathan realized, maybe, maybe 
is not the father that I really thought he was. When I grew up, my dad was my biggest hero. I'd do anything for him. I thought he was a James Bond, you know. Sean Connery at the time in the 60s. My dad was pretty cool. He had these amazing suits and slink black hair back. And I just wanted to be like him. But the problem was I couldn't see sin in him. I just saw a perfect person. And it's only as I got older and I got wiser and I got older and wiser and older and wiser that I began to see, you know, my dad makes some pretty awful decisions. <laughs> you know, my dad isn't that perfect, is he? Of course he wasn't. I'd made my dad into something he wasn't. He never ever said to me that I am your perfect father. He never sat down and told me that once. It's what I presumed he was. But now Jonathan is actually seeing who his true father is, isn't he? I don't know what your relationship is, young people, with your father. But pray for your parents. Pray for your father. Take time out to get to know them. Don't use the teenage excuse, well, I'm a teenager and I can't talk to you. No. Stay close to your father. Three points I would just like to make. If we could put those up, please. Jonathan, throughout all of this, knowing that he had to make a decision to either go to the left or to the right, he stood up for justice and truth. And sometimes in your life, you might have to lose somebody to stand up for justice or truth. And it's hard. Relationships are hard. But if you do not stand up for truth and justice, it's not going to go well. And there is a cost. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Because of me, you will be persecuted. He submitted himself to God's will and not his own. What a choice to make. He was following God's will. And as we see and we go along with Jonathan, he was the natural heir after Saul. He could have had everything but he knew it was not God's will. And as we do know, as we go further into it, I won't give the punchline away. I'll leave that for Bo and the next chapter. Or read it for yourselves. And this is God. This is God at work. And I would just encourage you guys, when you're going through difficult circumstances, when your best friend turns on you, when your family member is not what you thought they were and they're turning on you, don't see the devil in the detail. See where God could be on your knees and pray. Let's see where God is working and what is God asking us to do in those situations. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your word. There is nothing more powerful, Father, than your word this morning. We can come with our praises. But if we are not listening to your truth, 
they mean nothing, Father. But I do pray as we stand and we sing your praises right now, Father God, that we will remember where you are in our lives, God. I pray, Father God, for each person that has walked into this place, that they will leave leave differently and challenged by your word, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray.